Well, a couple weeks ago, Daniel Cavasso shared a message on discovering or finding your assignment. And it was a, a very good message. He referenced Moses and the burning bush. And last week, we talked about fueling your assignment. And today, we're going to talk about another aspect of your assignment. Your assignment is merely God's plan for your life. That would be a, a simple definition of your assignment. It would be God's design for your life. Um, if anybody's ever seen blueprints, you can see that in, when we have a blueprint, we have the, from the mind of the, whoever drew the, um, the, the blueprint, you have their concept of what that building or whatever that thing is supposed to look like. And when you look at the blueprint, you have the plan. In fact, they call them the plans. And when we built these buildings, we had um, huge blueprints, and they were, you know, multiple pages, we'll say, you know, dozens of pages, because they had layers of details on them. But, you know, as-built drawings many times are different than the architectural drawings. Anybody who's ever built anything knows that's true. Because you, you, you have a plan and then you start building and you realize, oh, that's supposed to work, but that won't work. So we're going to have to do a workaround. So, and that's kind of, God has plans for us and sometimes we don't always execute those plans correctly. So many times the, how our lives turn out, they end up we need some as-built drawings, you know, because our, our lives aren't always exactly like God planned them to be. But that doesn't mean that God messed up. It's just sometimes we don't always walk as uh, circumspectly as, as we could or as we maybe should. But, you know, here's the good part about that. In Romans 8, 28, says that now we know that all things, and I would insert here with a pause, even our mistakes work out for our good because we love him and we're called according to his purpose. God works all things, even our mess-ups. He can work out for our good, even if we're off drawings, if you want to call it that, even if we're not building according to plan, even if we're a little bit off the reservation, if you want to say it like that. God can still use our lives, and if we'll submit whatever it is, wherever we are in the scheme of life, if we'll submit it to him, he can turn it around and work it for our good. Can somebody say amen? Because that is true no matter what happens. He can even use your mess-ups to bless you. Now, that, that's, that might be a new thought for somebody. Somebody says, well, I've messed up. I'm just, I'm hosed. I've messed up. No, God has a way of turning even the biggest mess-ups into your, for your good if you will still stay true to him and, and stay, on the, stay on track with him. He can even turn those things which look hopeless, he can turn them around for your good. He can actually turn them into blessings instead of curses. I mean, you look at people, every, throughout the Bible, everyone had a job to do. And if you look at it, their job to do was their assignment. For Adam, his first job was to name the animals. Remember that? Adam had to name all the animals. 
Uh, Moses, he had a job, go tell Pharaoh, let my people go, and then lead them through the desert, right? That was, his, that was his assignment. Gideon, he had to go raise up an army and, and liberate Israel. He didn't want to. He hid for a while, right? Joshua, his job was to lead the Israelites into the promised land and basically lead an army, an ill-equipped, small army against a bunch of nations that were larger, better equipped, and better, um, had better armament and better trained. But that was Joshua's job. Then there was Saul, who became Paul, right, on the road to Damascus. And his, his call, his assignment, was to preach the gospel of grace to the Gentiles. That was Paul's job. Peter's job was to preach the gospel of grace to the Jews, David's job was, here's the one, here I'm going to use David as this example. Sometimes your assignment is one thing and then it changes and then it changes again. There are stages in your assignment many times. It's rare you find a person that says, well, God called me to do this and I did it for my entire life. It's, it's rare. Um, there's, there's a few people like that, but most people, they have transitions and they have changes and then there's phases and there's stages in their life. Like David, for instance. He was assigned to tend his father's sheep, right? He was the shepherd. That's when he wrote the Psalms. And from there, he was assigned to kill the giant, right? And from there, he was assigned to be the king, right? And in between, he had some hanging out in caves, running for his life, you know, being hunted like an animal and all those types of things. But his, his calling shifted from being shepherd to giant killer to king. And that was, his, that was his assignment. That was his call. And then you have some natural examples like Orville and Wilbur Wright. Their assignment was to build an airplane. That was from God. You know, you could say, well, how do you know it was from God? Because they did it, and they, no human could have ever figured that one out, okay? Um, I'm convinced that was a, a, an, an assignment, an anointing from God. And then there was Babe Ruth. You say, what do you mean? Babe Ruth, he was a drunkard. Now, Babe Ruth was a great baseball player, and he had an assignment to play baseball. I'm convinced. Whether he knew Jesus or not, he still had an assignment to play. Michael Jordan had an assignment in his life to play basketball. There's no question. Because nobody's that good at it unless they're anointed by God to do it. Now you say, all those things are great. Well, I got news for you. Today, you have an assignment. You, your assignment today may be as, as unexciting as changing diapers. Let's just say it that way. Maybe your assignment is to be a mom with little kids. That's your assignment. I'd say embrace it, understand that it's God's call, it's God's assignment. You have an anointing to do that in your life right now. Maybe your assignment is to be a husband and a dad and a breadwinner. Any of those in here? Husband, dad, breadwinner. You gotta be all three, IR1, right? You have three things that you're primarily responsible to do. And, but here's the good news. Where God guides, he provides. He has given us everything we need to be whatever it is we, he has called us to be. If you're a husband, you are called to be a sacrificial leader in the home. 
I'm going to talk to the husbands for a minute. If you're a husband, it doesn't mean that, I don't think there's any of these left, but the old Archie Bunker style husband that comes home and asks for his slippers in the paper. If you are, you're, you're one of about 100 million because I don't know of anybody else because that's, that's not the way that we lead our homes. As husbands, <clears throat> we got to lead our homes as sacrificial leaders. We lead our homes the way Jesus loved the church. What did Jesus do? This is kind of a, a funny example, but it's, it's, it's the one I'm going to use. Husbands, you're called to love your wives as Christ loved the church. So, okay, how did Christ love the church? Let's think about this. Christ loved the church by leaving that which was comfortable, right, heaven. He left his comfortable home in heaven. He left his place of respect and honor next to God and humbled himself and became a servant and became obedient. So he left his place of comfort and he assumed a place of servanthood. So if we're gonna love our wives, gentlemen, if we're gonna love our wives the way Jesus loved the church, it means we have to step out of our comfort zone and we have to learn and continue to serve our wives. That's, and all the women should say amen, right? All the men should say amen, because that's what Jesus did. So our assignment is to leave our place of comfort. To, if this is, <clears throat> if you're comfortable sitting in the couch with a remote while everybody else does the work, you need to leave that place of comfort. I'm smiling. You need to leave the place of comfort and play with the kids. Leave the place of comfort and help with the dishes. Leave the place of comfort and help in some way around the house and be a blessing. Now, why am I dogging on the men? Because I am one, and uh, that's just the way it goes. Sorry, guys. So that's your assignment right now, to be a husband. You also have an assignment to be a dad. And there's some parts of your life that only you can do. Only you can be a husband to your wife. Only you can be a dad to your kids. Nobody else can be a dad to your kids. Your, your kids don't need anybody else to be at their game or to give them an attaboy and add a girl. They need you to do it, dads. And that's your assignment, to be that encourager, to be the one that, that's always in their, in their corner. Our kids need to hear from us, I'm always for you. Not that I'm gonna let you get away with being a jerk. I'm gonna call you out if you're, if you're acting you know, foolish or you're, you, you need a um, discipline. But I'm always on your side and I'm always in your corner. That's your job as a dad, to always be in your kid's corner. Say, huh? You say to that little girl, I'm always in your corner. Your daddy is always for you. Your daddy is always on your side. I'm on your team. Because that's your job as a dad, to be an encourager. Only, only you can do that. Nobody else can do that. Nobody else can be the inspiration to your sons, guys. Nobody else can do it. Nobody else can raise your kids the way you can, moms. Nobody else can give them love and attention and care the way that you can. And when we think, when we think about the word assignment, when we think about calling, when we think about all those, those words, many times we think of something that's big and it's outside and it's got this grandiose feel to it. And the reality is, though, your assignment and your calling many times is not very glamorous. 
for most of us. We don't have glamorous callings and assignments. They're, they're assignments that are, they seem mundane, but they're vitally important. And to think, and, and I'm just going to encourage you, don't ever think that your calling, that your assignment is less important than someone else's because whatever assignment is you have in your life, you're the only one that can do it. So therefore, it is vitally important that you be engaged in your current assignment, no matter what it is. It's vitally important that you be engaged and that you be excited about it and that you have a passion to be the best at whatever it is God has called you to be right now. See, when, when David was a shepherd, he was the best shepherd ever. And after he was the shepherd, then God called him to kill the giant. And after he killed the giant, that's when God called him to be the king, right? He, he, he was, he was going to be king. He, he had actually had the vision to be king. He had been actually called, but it wasn't until after he killed the giant that he was actually brought into the king's palace and it became, he, he started on the road to actually assuming that position. It wasn't until after that. Even though the calling was there, even though the, the desire was there, God's hand was on him, he still had to be a shepherd for a very long time, even after he was anointed. Even after he had the plan, he still had to serve and be a servant and watch those sheep. See, so no matter what we're doing, what we're doing in our lives, no matter how mundane it might seem or unimportant it might seem or whatever it is that we're, what we're doing, we got to realize that whatever we're doing, if God has put us there, we got to realize that it's important because God put us there. God does nothing by random act or by accident. That's the, the thing we've all got to just, I'm just going to bring it out. God doesn't do just seemingly random or accidental things. Sometimes it seems that God is random. You kind of look and you go, how did that work, right? And it's, it's because we don't see the end from the beginning like he does. But the reality is God does nothing by random nature nor by accident. Even the pain in our lives, God can use to bless others. Even the pain that we have gone through. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4. You say, he who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort that we ourselves have received from God. See, as he comforts us in our troubles, as we've gone through things, then we can comfort others that are going through things. You, can, you, can, you have a, um, an empathy, if you want to use that word. You have an a, ability to empathize with them because you've gone through it and you've seen that God comforted you and because God comforted you, you're able to comfort others with the same comfort that you have received. So right down to the pain that we have gone through, Sometimes we're, our assignment is to go through pain for a, a short period of time. Why? I don't know all the reasons why, but I know this. When we go through the pain, when we're on the other side, we're almost always more empathetic to others as we've gone through the pain. See, when you, when you run across people that are very judgmental, it's because they haven't gone through very much pain yet, usually. 
Because pain causes you to be a little bit more empathetic because you've been through it. I tell you, I went through a heart attack two and a little bit over two years ago, and I am much more empathetic to people that are going through um, surgical rehab because I had to go through having my chest cut in half and ripped open and all the rehab that goes with that. And I tell you what, I'm much more sympathetic than I used to be. Why? Because I've been through some pain, okay? And I look at it and say, was that, God's, was that God's perfect will that you have a heart attack and go through open heart surgery? I don't think so, but it's what happens, so God uses what happens. Remember our, my reference to as-built drawings? This is kind of, the, you're looking at the as-built version, not necessarily the perfect version, it's the as-built version, along with all my bumps and bruises, so, um, and my mistakes. So, it's not an accident or a, a random thing, it's God uses whatever it is in our lives to bless us and to bless others. You are not a mistake. Somebody needs to hear that today. You are not a mistake. You're not a mistake. You're not a screw up. You're not an accident. You were created by God for a very specific purpose. There's people on this earth that only you can reach. God has specifically equipped and assigned you to reach them. You are not a mistake. Somebody says, well, I'm just a mistake. I can't do anything right. Yes, you can. Stop talking like that. God doesn't make junk. He makes perfect he knew you while you were in your mother's womb and he formed you perfectly. You are not a mistake. That's just a lie that the enemy has put upon you and unfortunately sometimes people go ahead and agree with the devil. I'd say disagree with the devil every time he says, if you ever get that thought, well, I'm just a screw up. I'm just a mess up. I'm a mistake. You need to look at, look at yourself in the mirror and say, I am a child of God. I am created for a specific purpose. God's, God's hand is upon me. His power is within me. And his grace is upon me. And I'm going to do great things. Because that's the truth. You say, well, how do you ever get to the point where you can look at yourself and say that? The day you decide to say it is the day you'll do it. Because it's right there in the book. The Bible talks about how fearfully and wonderfully that you're made, the fact that you're designed with a purpose, that, you have a, that God has a plan. Jeremiah 29, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. God has a plan for you to give you a hope and a future. His plan is your assignment. Whatever it is in front of you, treat it as your assignment today. Whatever it is, whatever you're doing, if you're, if you're driving a garbage truck, drive that garbage truck for Jesus. If you're driving a taxi cab, if you're picking up paper along the highway, do it for the glory of God. Whatever it is, whatever assignment that he has us in, 1 Corinthians 7, verse 17 says, nevertheless, each one of us should retain the place in life that the Lord assigned to him and to which God has called him. So just because you got saved doesn't mean you have to go change everything in your life. 
If you were a plumber before you got saved, be a plumber until God tells you to not be a plumber. If you were married when you got saved, stay married for Pete's sake, okay? <clears throat> and whatever it was you're doing, do that. Just keep doing it, but do it for the glory of God. We need believers in every single area, every single area of life. Each person has a unique assignment. See the body, 1 Corinthians 12, the body is a unit. Though it's made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body, and so it is with Christ. So we are many parts in the body, but we all serve different purposes and have different functions. Should the foot say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body? Should the eye say, because I'm, the ear say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body? If the whole body were an eye, verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? Or if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be, that they all, if they all were one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. That's the same thing that's true in the church. We all have a purpose. We all have a part in the church. Everybody can't do the same thing or you don't have a functioning body. See, as the body works, the body works as each member does its job. Just like in the body here, in my body, as I stand here, you got, you got the radius in the ulna, you got the humerus, you got, you got the clavicle, you got the sternum, you got all these bones, right? Now, every time a bone meets another bone, you have something called a what? A joint, right? And what, that, what happens at that joint? Movement happens, right? And then there's muscles attached to it and it causes it to contract and so, and then this one contracts and causes it to go down. And what happens here? We're gonna read a verse and it's gonna describe what happens. Ephesians chapter four, verse 16. Under his control, all the different parts of the body fit together and the whole body is held together by every joint with which it's provided. So when each separate part works as it should, the whole body grows and builds itself up through love. So in the natural body, when this bone meets this bone, or these sets of bones meet this bone and there's muscles, what happens? Increase happens, why? Because this joint provides increase, right? Because there's a joint there. It's where this member works with this member and together they get something accomplished. If you didn't have an elbow, you wouldn't be able to eat. That wouldn't be a good day, right? You'd, you'd be like this, uh, how do I eat? You'd have to have, you'd have to just gonna reach out and eat. You wouldn't be able to bring the food to your mouth if you didn't have this joint right here. And there's all the joints in our body that are an example of what happens in the body of Christ. When one member works with another, another member and together we work together to get something done, then increase happens in the body of Christ where one person has a relationship with another person, that's the joint. And it says, so that when each separate part works as it should, the whole body grows and builds itself up through love. So when we all do what God is leading us to do, whatever it is, when we all do what God is leading us to do, and as we interact together and there's a 
there's a movement because there's one member meeting another member. You think about this, the, the, what are these called, phalanges, right? When the phalanges are here, they're carpals, right? Carpals and metacarpals and then phalanges. So when this tiny little bone here or this tiny little bone here and interacts with that tiny little bone there and interacts with that tiny little bone there and interacts with the carpal here and the metacarpal there and it has tendons and muscles and they all work because there's nerves and there's something coming from my brain and it says clench your fist. That's amazing. But when they all do their job and they all work together, we can increase and we can pick stuff up and we can write and we can do all kinds of things. Why? Because each member is doing its part. And the moment you think a member isn't important, just stub your toe, your baby toe, your little piggy toe there, right? Just stub it at three o'clock in the morning on the way to the restroom sometime and find out how unimportant that little toe is. Suddenly you'll be hopping around on one foot. Hopefully you won't say any bad words, but you might. And you, you, you're running around and you're hopping around. Why? Because this little thing, this big, just got banged on the corner of the bed, right? But yet you don't ever think about that toe until you bang it on the bed, right? You don't, I mean, I'm not thinking about my baby toe right now, until I just said, now I'm thinking about it. But we don't normally run around thinking about your baby toe, but your baby toe is important. It's especially important when it gets banged at 3 o'clock in the morning, right? See, so every part in the body, your part in the body, whatever that part is, is important. Not everybody can be a mouth. Somebody needs to be a kneecap in the body of Christ because the kneecap's important. Without the kneecap, you're messed up, okay? See, somebody... I always joke around like this, but I'm like the kidney in the body of Christ. That's what I am. See, Pastor Dwayne's the mouthpiece. I'm the kidney. I'm, I kind of like clean things up behind the scenes, okay? Eliminate the stuff and clean, you know, it's like I'm behind the scenes cleaning things up. And that's my job, typically. Not tonight, but typically that's my job. So, Everybody has a part in the body of Christ, and every part, everybody's part is important. No matter what it is, it's important. And don't despise the day of small beginnings. If today you're, uh, you, you know, you're working as a greeter or you're working over here, you can say, well, I, really, I need to go to the nations and preach the gospel. Well, why don't you go to the door and greet some visitors first? And then maybe God will call you to go to the nations and preach the gospel. I don't know. Maybe you will. Maybe you won't. I don't know. But the point is, be faithful at wherever you are right now, and then God can do what he does, and that's change your assignment or increase your assignment or help you reach your assigned goal. Don't waste your life wishing you were someone else or waste your life wishing that you could do something else. If you want to do something else, start. Else be happy where you are and just be faithful where you are and trust God to change your situation or, or increase your assignment. But embrace whatever it is God has placed you in right now. Embrace it and decide that today you're going to be the best at what it is God has created you to be. Be who you are. Don't try to be someone else. Be who you are and be happy with who you are. 
Embrace the importance of where you are today. See, David embraced the importance of watching those sheep. And because he embraced that, he killed the lion, he killed the bear, and then when, the, when Goliath came, he had the confidence to step out and kill that, that Goliath, that giant. See, and as you're faithful in whatever it is that you're assigned to do today, it builds confidence. See, obedience builds confidence. And as you're obedient and, and you're faithful in whatever it is you're called to do today, as you're faithful in it, you know what? Every time you're faithful and every time you're obedient to God, when he, when he puts it on your heart to do something and you don't really feel like doing it, but you do it anyway, every time you do that, you know what you do? You're building confidence. And you're, you're, you're building confidence. The, the, your own confidence in yourself and you're putting down the flesh and you're building your faith so that when God does tell you to do something that's probably out of your comfort zone, you're gonna be able to go, well, yeah, of course, I'm gonna do that because I obey God. That's what I do. I obey God. When he, when he has me do this, I do it. So now he wants me to do this. Yeah, I obey God. So you go and you do it because you're building your confidence. That's what David was doing when he was watching those sheep. He was being obedient, and by being obedient, he was building his confidence. So today, everything that every time God puts it on your heart to do something, I would say to you, never ignore an instruction from the Lord. Even if it's to pick up a piece of paper on the floor, don't ignore. If you feel like, if you see a piece of paper and you feel like, well, I should probably pick that up. I, you'll see me, I do this. Whenever there's a piece of paper on the floor, I don't always pick it up, but if I have this inkling, oh, I should pick up that piece of paper. I do it every time, why? Because what do I got to lose, right? What do I got to lose by bending down and pick it, picking up a piece of paper? But what I have to gain is, that's the Holy Spirit, and he's testing me, and he's training me, and he's helping me be more sensitive to his voice, and so I just go ahead. You'll see me. I walk around. I pick up. I come home from church. I got paper in my pocket and there's junk, and I'm just, I pick it up off the floor. All the stuff you guys leave laying around, I pick it up after you. But I do that not because I'm this anal retentive clean freak, because my wife will tell you that's not true. Um, look at my garage. Anyway, um, nobody laughed. But anyway. It's because I'm trying to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. That's why I do it. It's because I'm trying to listen and build my confidence so that when he tells me to do something that's really hard, I'll have the courage to do it because we've built a pattern of being obedient, okay? And as you, as you build that pattern of being obedient, then when he tells you to do something that's like out of the box, you can then be obedient and you can do it, so... Okay, we're gonna, we're gonna close it up here. But as we, as we go from here, I just feel like um, I wanna just take a moment and pray over you guys and ask you a few questions. Tonight, as we, as we look at our lives and we look at what's going on around us and the, the world is so so crazy and Things are crazy and there's a lot of uncertainty around and it's swirling around and if you're unfortunate enough to watch the news, you can see there's all kinds of crazy stuff going on everywhere. The constant thing in our lives 
is the fact that God is faithful and he doesn't change. God, he says, I am the Lord, I change not. That God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he said in his word that if we would call upon him, that he would answer us. That when, when we, if we call upon him, he will answer us. And he'll show us great and mighty things that we know not. So today, if, if tonight you're, you're, you're in this place and you're saying, man, I, I just, I'm at a place where I don't really know what the step is, what the next step is, I, I've got good news for you. If you don't know what the next step is, stay where you are, be faithful where you are, keep doing what you're doing, and keep believing God that he's gonna open a door in front of you and relax because God has your best interest at the middle of his heart. So Father, I pray for each person that might be at a place of, of crossroads. I pray for each person that may be at a place of, of decision, may be a place where they're, they're wanting something different. And Father, I thank you that you'll give them grace to stay faithful, to stay the course, to stay where they are until, they, until you make it clear where it is they're supposed to go. Father, that as they take the step of faith, when you do show it to them, we thank you, Father, that it will be very clear to them exactly what step to take. That they won't just be random, it won't be foolhardy, but Father, it'll be specifically as you direct them. They will know what to do and they will have a clear path in front of them. Father, we thank you that you lead us, that you guide us, that Father, that there's no such thing as an insignificant assignment. Today, for moms, I pray for grace over moms. Father, with, with the, the kids and all the pressures and the people and, and working and, and caring for the home and, and, and working outside the home and having toddlers, Father, I just pray for every mom right now that, Father, your grace would be multiplied upon them, that your, that your kindness would be shown toward them, that, Father, that your empowerment would, would be upon them and that they would be, Father, strengthened in their inner man tonight and know that what they're doing is world-changing that they're raising world changers and history makers that are going to do great things for God, that what they're doing is important, it's vitally important. And Father, for, for dads, we pray that, God, you'd give them supernatural encouragement, that, that they can lay down their lives knowing that, Father, you empower them to lay down their lives for their families, that you empower them to, to lay down their their own desires and, and to put their children and their, and their wife ahead of their own desires. And that, Father, you give them the grace to love sacrificially like you did, Jesus. Father, thank you for every married couple that as they lay their lives down for each other, every married couple that you would give them supernatural favor with each other that Father where there's, where there's offense Father we just ask that you would just give them grace to forgive Father I pray for grace to forgive humility and grace would just pour over each and every heart tonight in Jesus name Father we thank you for grace for peace multiplied Father, we thank you for peace in homes. 
We just, we just say shalom. Shalom home over every home here in the name of Jesus. The peace that passes all understanding. Nothing missing, nothing broken. Unity and peace in the homes. Father, we thank you for your grace and your goodness. Father, we thank you that you love us, that you have a great plan for our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.